0: Welcome to the Canadian Real Estate Investor, where hosts Daniel Foch and Nick Hill navigate the market and provide the tools and insights to build your real estate portfolio. Welcome back to another episode of the Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast. My name is Daniel Foch. I'm a real estate broker and director of economic research at a company called Rare Real Estate. I'm joined here by my
1: co-host, mortgage agent and investor, Nick Hill. Wow. I like when you introduce me like that because that means I don't have to say anything about myself. So appreciate that, Dan, and good to be with you here as always. My pleasure.
0: Happy to be here.
1: What are you up to? Um Well, it's been an eventful week so far. Um, a lot of passive investing stuff we can talk about, tenant issues in the last week, all at different properties that actually you and i own together we've had the power shut off at one of the properties we had a leak in the basement with a broken sump pump we had to replace a broken water heater today damn that's um, a nice uh passive income right there yes very very passive uh but you know it's it's nice because at this point we do have the right people And some pretty good systems in place to deal with these issues. I'll tell you right now: a few years ago, when I was, you know, getting started or only had a few properties and was still doing everything myself, these would have been way more of a headache. Yeah, I feel like
0: it's sort of that transition from side hustle into a business, growing it into a business, right? And it becomes necessary with scale when you're running a couple of rentals as a landlord and you don't have the, the scale to get management or third party or systems on a lot of these things
1: you're really running a side hustle and not
0: running a business
1: yeah totally and that is exactly what we're out here trying to do we're scaling um scaling bu- in the building like what's that old currency song You remember that oh my gosh i haven't currency in, in a while but it. i i guess that kind of works here um but anyways, aside from old bangers, what are we talking about today? Today, we are doing CREA Upstates or
0: Canadian Real Estate Association stats. We're going to look at changes in home prices, volume of transactions, and more. But before we do that, we're going to be looking at a juicy deal in Saskatchewan.
1: Ooh, so Regina is the capital of Saskatchewan, Canada. Yes, that is Regina, Reg-I-na. And Dan, actually, there is a Latin play here, so please jump in and inform and, and us. The city of Regina was originally called Wascana, meaning Buffalo Bones in Cree,
0: a First Nations tribe, but was renamed in 1882 to the Latin word for Queen Regina in honor of Queen Victoria Hence the origin of its name and pronunciation, because that's how the city in Saskatchewan is pronounced. It's the Latin word for queen pronounced Regina Regina, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the Latin I, I learned in the U.S. And similarly, Regina in the classical world. After the great vowel shift, what is this? on about vowel shifts, the British Isles <laughs> developed an unusual unusual way of pronouncing Latin. You really assume so a curveball with this so one vowels jumping yeah. around and all this
1: stuff. So basically I guess like our Canadian accents and American accents after, you know, leaving the Commonwealth and coming over here and ruining the King's English, uh, we started pronouncing things. So it's I think it's supposed to be Regina, but we pronounce it Regina as Canadians. So anyways, thank you, sir. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Regina or Regina, however you want to call it, has a population of about 230,000. And the average home is just over 300,000.
0: Isn't the girl from Mean Girls named Re- Regina and it's spelled the same way? <laughs> Regina George, right? Yeah. I think so. Yes. Great, great movie, too. Wow. You're just on the nostalgia today. I'm eh? sharp right now. Uh actually Regina reported a benchmark price of 310,000 in February slightly below the 312 reported in January but well above the 2021 price of
1: 295,000. Okay, thank you for the clarification there. Here's a cool fact though. The province that the city resides in Saskatchewan supplies more than a third of the world's total exported durham wheat and is the world's top exporter of lentils and dry peas in addition to being the world leader in agriculture Saskatchewan is the fifth largest oil producer in north america but you didn't know that very cool great plains makes me want
0: to listen to the tragically hip it's the paris of the, the Prairies or is that saskatoon yeah I've, i don't know i'm gonna find out <laughs> i think it is regina <laughs> pretty sure while we are on Cool Facts, almost 10% of Saskatchewan is water,
1: including over 100,000 lakes. And yeah, it is also a province with artificial borders and it's landlocked. So Saskatchewan is the only province in Canada with artificial borders and it's also completely landlocked. It's bordered by the U.S. to the south, the Northwest Territories to the north, Manitoba and Alberta to the east and west. Respectively. Anyways, we've got a great deal of the day, and that's why we're talking about Regina in Saskatchewan. I've been making these videos on Instagram. In every province, I try to find an investment property for less than $500,000. And well, here we have it, Dan. Can you go through this property with me? It'd be an honor. Yeah, I can. Um, also, it is, it's Saskatoon. That's the Paris
0: of the Prairies, just so you're aware. There you go. Um, so this property is. The address is 4721 4th Avenue, Regina, Saskatchewan. MLS number, if you want to search it very quickly, is SK917928. If you just type that into Google, usually the listing will come up. It is a, it says looking to build or looking for your first multifamily property. Is forced appreciation the key to your next purchase? I and love when the this, descriptions start with a bunch of like hook answers. The like buzzwords, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then this is your chance to buy a solid six-unit apartment building. Six units. Oh, buddy, you're going to your like this one. Grand.
1: You are going to like
0: this. With two of the six units completely remodeled and brought up to code by insurance. The complex has a suite of suite mix of five two-bedrooms and one one-bedroom with only one tenant currently. So you got a lot of ability to bring it up to market rents. Allowing the new owner to finish updating and remodeling the building with very little disruption. The Rosemont area has been, a, has seen a major redevelopment with a new shopping development within one block, bus route, new homes, and
1: multiple schools. I mean, it seems like decent. Yeah. And, and respect to the agent that wrote this subscription, I have seen some just dismal horrible descriptions, but this guy covers demographics he's got you know bring it up to rent in there anyways dude that is six hundred and sixty sixty six thousand six hundred and sixty six dollars and sixty six cents per door that is crazy
0: agreed and from our friends at rent panda we know the average rent in the area for a one bedroom
1: is about a thousand bucks A little cheaper than uh hometown in Toronto over here. And yes, the average two bedroom is 1200 to 1300, but let's use 1200. So five, two bedrooms times $1,200 at 6,000. And plus let's assume the $1,000 for the one bed for a total of 7,000 a month. Now, Let's also assume one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for renovations. We need to bring four units back up to market rent here. I'm not exactly sure what the repair, what the extent of repair or scope of work. It, it it might be high, but I'd I'd like to assume let's go a bit higher. You know, you don't know what else is going to be involved. Yeah, so let's say 37,500 five hundred a unit, likely
0: high, but who knows? There may be some CapEx and other stuff involved, so it's better to be safe than sorry.
1: Yeah, completely agree. You always want to, you know, over... Under promise and over deliver. So let's go over the metrics here, Dan. Why don't I start us off by reading some of these and I'll let you go over. um, I'll go through the deal here and you go through the first year and the long term metrics. So again, left the purchase price at $399, $7,000 a monthly expected rent, $150,000 for improvement costs. We did an 80-20 loan to value here, which means that the deposit is $79,980. Mortgage term amortized over 30 years with a rate of 6%. You could probably get lower because we've seen some downward trending in rates, but let's leave it at 6 for now. That puts the monthly mortgage payment at $1,936. I did put $700 in there for a management fee, assuming that if someone wanted to buy this out of province, there might be that. Again, just trying to juice things up here. $1,000 for utilities, $500 for maintenance. Uh, I only lower, I loaded it to an 85% occupancy, 3% annual inflation, 3% rent appreciation and, uh, annual inflation. I left that 2.5%. Maybe I'm wishful thinking, but now, Dan, that's the, that's the hard numbers of the deal. Walk us through what the first year metrics look like and the 10 year metrics, uh, or the long term metrics that we have. I feel like you probably
0: forecasted pretty high on the management fee and the utilities I too. Did, so like I did, but I just wanted some, to juice it. I yeah, just wanted to put no, it in I there. Really you know, appreciate that. Yeah. So, your entry cap rate is nine point three eight percent, which is yeah. amazing. I mean, uh, <laughs> does that now? Does that include the cash investment too? I guess it does, eh? Yeah. So it does. That's why if you look at the first year ROI, right, yeah. we're we're yeah. negative. Yeah, so the first year ROI is, is negative -52%, but obviously cuz you have a huge cash outlay, so it doesn't really I mean you, you probably wouldn't be analyzing this until you're looking at your your rate of return, your cash on cash over the first 5 years, which comes out to like 6.2% cash on cash, net annual cash flow is 14,258 uh per year or 11 just over almost 1200 monthly. Um, project IRR would be 9.53% over the 10 year long term ROI of 106%. I mean, it's, it's a good deal. I like this deal. It's, uh, it's, it's in the, it's in the right channel. This is,
1: it's a good one. Are we buying this? eh? I don't know. I, I I put this in there. I put put this in there and I was like, this might be one of those. I mean, we don't own anything in, uh, I mean, the big thing for
0: me is like, I, you know, I look at the listing, it's been on the market for 75 days. So it's like,
1: I want, I want to know why. And you know what? I, I'll bet you someone is going to reach out and tell us why. I also just use this one for that, that Instagram video I made. If you don't follow me, my buddy, Nick, go follow both Dan and I on Instagram. We put out a bunch of stuff like this for landlord and summaries of other episodes, but, uh, I'm sure, I, I guarantee you, someone in the comments would be like, "This Either is literally on earth in Saskatchewan or <laughs> yeah, something e- like that." Either they're gonna tell us why, or they're gonna go buy it because, like that happened with another one. I think yeah. right. And if you do go buy it, congratulations! Tell us, tell the agent where you came from, and uh, you know, let us know because that's a good story, and, and we yeah, like get deals done. It definitely helps us build the credibility
0: of the pod, if, and uh, if we ever want to promote deals on here. We can uh, so make sure you tell the agents if you heard about a deal on on this podcast. Um, let's move on though. Let's let's talk about these CRE stats.
1: Why don't I start off with some of the highlights here? Uh, national home sales rose one point four percent month over month in March. Actual, not seasonally adjusted monthly activity came in thirty four point four percent below March twenty twenty two. The number of newly listed properties
0: dropped a further 5.8% month over month. So seeing more and more of that supply scarcity that we're mm-hmm. hearing a lot about. The MLS HPI or house price index went up. I wouldn't even call this going up, but 0.2% month over month. But <laughs> it's still, we're still down significantly 15% year over year. And the actual not seasonally adjusted national average sale price posted a 13.7% year over year decline.
1: You know, it's funny when they they have the HPI edged, not even moved up, but it's now edged up zero point two percent. Like really, just moving the needle, like percentage yeah, point I mean, by percentage point. I feel like point. they should just say it was basically unchanged if it's less than one percent. Right? Yeah, but that doesn't make for good press. So, anyways, for the first time in over a year, the primary measure of a Canadian price a house price has stopped falling when measured. By the aggregate composite HPI house price index, the average Canadian house price is $686,371. That is 13.7% below March of last year, but up since the beginning of this year. So again, we're, we're, we're moving all over the place. We're back in a bit of a kangaroo market here. Monthly declines are
0: still visible in many markets across the country. And the national average seems to be very supported by Toronto, which is Canada's largest real estate Shocker. market. Yeah. And, and Korea seems to be finally admitting how much that's skewing the data. So I would imagine, you know, they'll probably start trying to present things that are less. Skewed, like I, we might just see some changes to the way they're presenting
1: things. I was going like to say, this. you know, we should reach out to Korea and be like, you should do a just a Toronto thing, and then a Toronto and the rest of Canada, maybe a GTA and then the rest of Canada, and then just Canada without Toronto. Yeah, I don't know how you'd represent it properly. Like, I think just like province by
0: province, because like Toronto, like the G, like the GTA is like Ontario. Sorry, Ontario on on its own could kind of live with that that GTA skew but Canada really does get pulled mm-hmm. around by it a lot um, anyways seasonal price growth has been exceptionally strong heading into the spring market in the GTA and in a lot of markets like I've been saying you know, I think we're in a sideways market and a bunch of people are yelling at me on social media, like the market's going up. Like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah, it's called (laughs) called seasonality, right? Like prices, Look, like people, you want the crystal ball prices are going to go up until May and then they're going to fall from May until October. There you have it. No fall, Fall and fall from May until August. Sorry. And then they'll grow from August till October. And then they'll fall from October until December. That's what's going to happen this year. It happens every year in a normal market. So, Crystal Um, ball, I love it. Yeah. So um, this is a a chart here from the very smart guy, Ben Rabideau, who I think was actually presenting at the MPC um, Mortgage Professionals Canada thing today talking about his his, um, projections for what's going to happen in the spring market. Um, And it basically, it's a tweet. It just says, we're back, baby. How do we feel about this? And it's the Canadian house prices, which shows a period of, all declines
1: month over month. And then the first, first incline that we're seeing. Yeah. We've got January, 2021 to January, 2022. And we are anywhere from two to over maybe like 4.4, 4.3%. And then basically it's just all going the wrong way, all in the negatives. And then, yeah, you're right. We got a finally finally a little tick up. So that's nice to see now. Um, Let's talk about growth uh, that was further supported by a handful of other Canadian markets that actually outperformed Toronto. So uh, Quebec CMA is actually plus 3.6%. And damn you know, we like Sudbury, which is also plus 3.1%.
0: Yeah, it was interesting to see an, an Ontario market as, as the second fastest uh, growing on the price side. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually added quite a few other markets in Quebec as well, which is kind of cool. So that's been been interesting to watch um, Oakville Milton in in Ontario as well was up 2.1% and then Estree in Quebec was up
1: 1.8%. Um, Dan, where is Estry? I haven't heard that on, uh, on Korea before. Uh, Estrie is a region
0: of Quebec that comprises of the eastern townships. Estrie, a French neologism, was coined as a derivative of est or east. It is about ninety percent francophone. It is considered one of the most beautiful regions of Quebec, nestled between Montreal and Quebec City, with its mountains, lakes, and many vineyards, actually, Ooh. and orchards. It offers visitors magnificent, magnificent landscapes. Thanks to the vitality of its businesses and cities and its proximity to the U.S., Estuary leads Quebec in exports. Yeah, and it is big. According to the 2021 census, StatsCan had the population at 337,000, actually decently bigger than our deal-of-the-day city, Regina, which has about 230,000 people, with most recent estimates that Regina's 2023 population is now about just shy of
1: 250,000. Well, that's pretty good growth for uh, Regina and honestly, very cool. You know, one of the best things about all the research that we do for the show and everybody, we put a lot of research into these shows is finding out about all the little cool places that I didn't know about across the country and that likely. I would have never have known about because, you know, we tell people to pick a market and become an expert in that. And, you know, you and I. have. That's how no- you're going to say, because we're ignorant Torontonians. Oh, yeah, that too. I just didn't want to give it up that easy. <laughs> um, let's keep going with the Korea stuff here. So prices uh, always follow a similar pattern in a typical year. Daniel were just saying this. Prices rise in the spring. Prices settle in the summer. Prices rise in the fall then prices settle in the winter. That's cyclical seasonality. You can see it in so many things. This seasonality combined with Korea's admission that the GTA has the ability to skew the national data sets, point to a year where we're likely to see a bit more volatility in house prices. The remainder of the cities that fell below the GTA in the monthly growth in the HPIs, the home price index, with the biggest price drops found in smaller Canadian cities and Ontario markets outside of the Greater Golden Horseshoe. Now, Dan, let's go one for one here. Why don't you start us off? Sure. So, Simcoe and District was down
0: three point two percent. So that's Simcoe and District is not far from Toronto. It's it's just a little
1: bit north of Toronto for those of you who aren't listening from the GTA and Bancroft. Sorry. Bancroft with a C, not with a K. Um, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that Bancroft at one point was like, what was it, like plus 60% or
0: something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it was like, I think it was the first market to, hit, to see like 90% yeah. um, or 100% growth from the beginning of the pandemic.
1: Like astronomical numbers for anyone Just listening that isn't nuts. familiar with the area. It's a, it's a very great cottage destination for people in the GTA to, to escape to. So that area that has calmed down drastically over the several, last several months is down 2.4%. Regina was down 2.1%. Windsor, Exis, Essex, sorry, another, um, Southern Ontario area is down 2.6%. Victoria down 1.7%. Peterborough and the Kawarthas, another, um, kind of second tier city, two hours outside of the, out of Toronto and the Kawarthas, which is again, cottage country has a, you know, the Kawartha lakes, beautiful area. Kortha Dairy, I'm kind of lactose intolerant, so unfortunately, I'm I'm off that stuff these days. But yeah, in the good old days, Kortha Dairy is fantastic. Anyways, down 1.7%. St. John's down 1.4%. Guelph and surrounding district, again, another suburb of uh, the GTA, down 1.3%. Kingston area down 1.2%. And then all the way on the east Coast, Prince Edward Island down 1.1%.
0: Interestingly, if you look at the provincial outlook, Newfoundland and Labrador are the only two provinces, or sorry, Prince Edward Island and Newfoundland and Labrador are the only two provinces where prices are still up year over year. So it'll be interesting to see if their current downtrend pushes them to join the remainder of Canada in year over year declines. yeah, think, what, do you, what
1: do you think about this chart here? For anyone, like we're looking at a chart. Um, yeah,
0: so I mean, I'll just go through it. Like so, so BC, so it gives us a province by province breakdown. So Ontario is the worst drop, uh, <laughs> just over minus twenty percent year over year. Um, BC is second worst at around minus fifteen. Alberta is the third worst, which actually kind of surprised me. At, mm-hmm. at my uh, let's say just over minus ten percent. Um. Manitoba is around the same as Alberta. Actually, that might be a little bit worse. Um, then you've got New Brunswick, minus six percent. Um, Quebec, I think after that would be between minus five and minus six percent. I can't see the exact numbers on the chart. It's not super granular. Uh, Nova Scotia down maybe minus four and a half percent. Then uh, Saskatchewan down. Well, it looks like minus three percent. Then you've got PEI up five and a half
1: percent and newfoundland up five point maybe two five percent it's great to see i mean you go again anecdotally dan you and i have been on some calls recently with some people on the east coast either living out there or that have been investing out there commuting back and forth and and um i think we're going to get some pretty cool projects helping these people doing some missing middle housing out there because everywhere that, you know, every, sorry, every person I talk to across the country, and I know you feel the same, I we hear the same story. The housing crisis is just as bad as it is there as it is where we are. So um, nice to see that there is some growth happening on the East Coast. Let's keep going and talk about the volume that we're kind of watching, you know, bounce along the bottom here. Another metric that finally seems to be breaking its negative trend is sales volume. Or the number of homes being sold, and Dan, I know you got some personal stories about this, so I want to hear your take as a, as an active realtor because I know that uh, we've been seeing some interesting things on the mortgage side after many months of declines or you know meager increases. Home sales increased by one point four percent the last month. So again, really measuring the needle movement here. The that's the largest gain we've seen since the three declines. Uh, in volumes that uh, when we started now Dan let's talk about this chart that we have here yeah so
0: I mean if you look at volume like really the only period that was slower in transactions was the lockdown period um, and like you know, the, like the first lockdown like, like when yeah, people everyone found out lockdown. about yeah the lockdown when the yeah, like, so streets so, were empty yeah so Q2 of 2020 which was basically the whole, that whole period was pretty lo- pretty locked down. Um, so January and February of, of this year are tracking about that slow. Um, and, and, you know, February is up from January, but we're still significantly lower than where, you know, you need, or the market, our, our profession, you could say, needs the, you know that that volume to be to to be making a, an honest living in the real estate industry especially when you've got the most competitive professional landscape that we've ever seen with 70,000 agents on the Toronto Real Estate Board and I think like 140,000
1: agents in Canada. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this, and I don't forget, we came off of a little rough patch in 2017. So, the chart here starts in 2018 at Q1 where we're looking at, a you know, between 450, probably about 460,000 sales. It kind of trends that way until you get to Q3 and Q4 of 2019 where it shoots up over and looks maybe it goes to about 520 530,000 the crazy drop off when the world shut down no surprise there but what's even crazier and again i know we're you know we've been over this a number of times but it's fascinating to look at these charts from 2020 in q3 to basically twenty twenty two and Q one were anywhere from six hundred and fifty thousand to the absolute height at probably seven hundred and forty thousand in Q one of twenty twenty one. So just so that unrealistic was, behavior there. Yeah, I mean that was the market running
0: twenty to thirty percent hot. And and I think a lot of people who got into this industry um expecting that it was going to be like that not understanding that that was a market that was running far too hot for whatever reason it could be monetary policy interest rates being too cheap could be people being locked in their houses and having nothing else to do and contemplating how much they hate their home or how um, much they and, wanted a backyard or yeah, you know, I mean, whatever all those reasons were but the reality is like th- that we're never going back to that 30% hotter than we should have been, period, that we were in the pandemic. Um, like even even if you recover to the ten year average would still only be like twenty percent above where we are today, which is, mm-hmm. you know, twenty percent below that period. So I think the real estate industry is going, going to go through a really significant period of adjustment. And even though right now the real estate industry is probably breathing a sigh of relief after many months of a record low volume, they're saying they're expect, you know, they're really hoping that we're going to see a, a big increase in volume heading into the spring, which means, you know, when, when you see that record low sales volume, it means reduced income from sales commissions for real estate professionals. I know a lot of people hate realtors. So maybe most people are like, you know, happy to see that the industry is suffering.
1: Oh man, let me. T- tell you how much people hate realtors you and i were making a bunch of cold calls the other day and you know one listen no one no, most people joint don't enjoy a cold call okay like i don't even enjoy them i have to make them all the time uh, but it's all about how you go about it right so you know i, I spoke to several lovely old nonas and, and lovely old ladies a, a couple of great people I actually got some good leads out of it and then just two really angry people that were like realtors are the problem and i'm like i'm actually not a realtor but anyways never mind and uh yeah these people are just you know telling just cursing telling me to piss off and f off and and all these things and uh that you know we're disturbing the peace and um you know at least you don't have to spend the rest of your life being one of those people yeah yeah, well, that's why you invest in real estate so that one day you can walk away from it and rest on your laurels, and you um, get to be the guy telling realtors to f off. Well, exactly, um, uh, Dan. So I, before we move on, I do want to yeah. talk about the uh, the tweet that you put out about realtors hoping that the prices sure, are going to yeah. go. Yeah, cause why don't you tell people about that? Because I think that's fitting for 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 this right here. Yeah, I mean, I just said that. I, I think
0: realtors. I phrased it in a, in a way that kind of a lot of people have been giving me flack for because they think that I'm trying to say that realtors are capable of pushing prices up because I think I said realtors pushing for prices to go up which I really mean realtors hoping for prices to go
1: up and so. and I think sending certain messages and and you know reporting certain news and and that kind of stuff you know yeah. people look to realtors as as professionals with insights so they I yeah. think they definitely can swing sentiment to right. a certain extent yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, anyway, I said that I think realtors who
0: are are hoping for prices to go up or pushing for prices to go up should, should stop doing that unless they want to become leasing agents. <laughs> and and the reason is because as price goes up and housing becomes more unaffordable, um, you see less transactions happen in a market. And I've said this a lot. Like, I do think that we're heading towards a renter's economy in Canada. And if you look at countries that have lower home ownership, like just look at the UK, how many realtors are there in the UK? There's like, I think I want to say it's like 20... No, I I, I got to look up the number because I don't want to be wrong here. But it was like... It's in like the tens of thousands. Like it's like 62,000 estate agents is what they call them there. Or yeah, in it's Switzerland. A, it's a better name. In Switzerland. Yeah. Or in Switzerland as an example. Um, you know, and these are countries where housing has been... Has has reached the point where it's permanently unaffordable. And people... So, people don't transact it a lot. And, and a lot of people just rent um unless they're like inheriting houses or whatever and I think that Canada and the U S especially, like there's so much real estate transaction and a lot of it's really just cause we're, um, much earlier in our economic life cycle as a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so anyway, my, my thought is that agents should not be pushing for further unaffordability because further unaffordability means lower homeownership, which means less transaction. And the, the reason that we've seen volume crushed for the past year is because houses are not affordable, and if they want it to continue to be unaffordable, which would happen if prices continue to grow, then um, they're going to see sustained low volume in the real estate industry. So it was not something that I would advise. So get ready to start leasing. In other words, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I think, when and I, I didn't know this, but a lot of agents are like have really pivoted into the leasing space because. Um, of what I just said, like that there's like just no transactions, right? I mean, dollar volume, total dollar volume in real estate is down like 60%, yeah. which means that like all things remaining equal, the real estate industry, the real estate profession made 60% less income than it
1: did last year. There's substantially less money floating around in in active transactional real estate between, you know, end users and and even mom and pop investors and, and whatnot, right? I mean, it is, it is dried up. And, uh, you know, I think the real estate agents and the mortgage agents and, and, you know, the professionals are, are really feeling it, whether they admit it or not. So for
0: sure. Yeah. I think a lot, there's a lot of ego in this industry. So it's, uh, there's a definitely a reluctance to admit that. But, uh, to jump back to the script here, that the, you, you often see an uptrend in volume. I think a lot of agents want us to be getting onto that uptrend in volume. And you see an uptrend in volume. It appears as this like almost rebound after you do see these major drops in volume below the 10-year average um, and you can you can see them on if you look at the number of monthly home sales in 2009, 2010, two, uh, 2019 and in 2022 after we saw that huge cliff heading into the lockdowns and it skyrocketed thereafter.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, we know that well, history doesn't repeat itself. It often rhymes. That's not me. That is Mark Twain. Only time will tell if we're due for a meaningful increase in volume that could pull the real estate industry out of the sustained period of low volume. But as it stands, volume is still down a whopping 34.4% from last, last year's lofty numbers. Now that is not moving the needle. That is a significant. Difference, yeah, and I mean you compound that. Like, if you again,
0: if you take that thirty four point four percent decrease in volume and take the fifteen x percent decrease in price, that's how you get a real estate market that is contracted so substantially that you are really seeing a lot of pressure being put on uh, the profession. And you know, I was I was at a leadership meeting for the, my brokerage today, and we we're talking about a, you know a lot of agents in the industry being part timers. And I was saying like, I I just think that real estate. The real and I don't think this is a good thing, but I think that the real estate profession is very much just going to become a, a a side hustle. Like I think that that's the direction we're moving, and I actually think it's a bad thing. But I yeah, think I it's probably, that. but I, but I do think it's a reality, and I think it's quite literally just because there's too many people and not enough deals, and I don't think that that's going to fix itself anytime soon because um, it's
1: too cheap to hold a license, and everybody wants to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, see, I, personally, I think that that might be accepted and might happen for a little bit, but at the end of the day, as, as that you know, filters through, I I do think people are gonna really start to look to more of the actual people that have expertise because that or or it it, like the as the level of
0: professionalism and quality of service declines, it becomes Mm -hmm. more and more ripe for disruption through technology. Totally. Then you got Chat
1: GPT selling houses. (laughs) (laughs) Chat GPT would be a sick realtor. (laughs) (laughs) Listen (laughs) <laughs> Famous last words. Uh, Dan, before we jump to the last little piece here, anything on uh, any final thoughts on the creostats? No, I mean I just
0: like, you know, I, I, I wrapped up the article that we're we're reading here by Well, you um, wrote it. Yeah, but I mean when I was writing it <laughs> I, I wrapped it up by by writing that the, the mark it's really important to remember that the market was running hot basically from that first pandemic induced lockdown onwards, so right after we came out of that lockdown and it traded significantly above the ten year monthly moving average until February of twenty twenty two. After which it basically fell off a cliff and, and hasn't recovered until literally just this month. So, and not, and recovered is the wrong word. It just started moving up for the first time in a long time. And price just started moving up for the first time in a long time. And so a lot of people want to say the bottom is in. And a lot of people said the same thing in August when prices ticked up ever so slightly in the GTA. And I would just hazard people to, to say that like the market is not binary. It doesn't have to be going either up or down it can go sideways the market what's that quote it's like the market can can be irrational as longer than you than you can stay solvent i i would say the market can trade sideways
1: longer than you can stay solvent love it um okay that's it for that folks we are gonna finish this baby off with some good vibes though i've got an awesome review to read here five stars a must listen incredible value exclamation mark. And this is by Maria Angela Avila from YYC on March 28th, 2023. She came to our meetup, right? I think so. Yeah, she did. Uh, that's where we met her. She wasn't even a podcast listener before she came to the meetup. I don't think that I love that. Um, this podcast is amazing. I cannot begin to describe the value that I get from listening to this podcast every Tuesday and Friday at Daniel Fosh at my buddy Nick. Call us out on Instagram and our socials. That's great. Deserve an award for all the effort they put into creating these episodes. We will take an award. I would love a trophy, maybe a participation medal. They are a dynamic duo and work so well, tag teaming how they represent factual content. It is both educational, fun, and easy to understand. If you are a real estate investor looking to get into reinvesting, work in the industry, or simply want to learn more, This podcast is for you. I highly recommend that you go back and listen from the beginning. They are super approachable, willing to share. And honestly, after a while, they feel like friends. Man, this is good. I love how they present the information and stress making your own thesis making it a podcast that everyone can listen to and enjoy. These guys deserve all the good things coming to them and excited to see it happen. And she even has two gold trophies there. What, What a sweetheart. That was a great review. That is one of the best ones. I literally have a warm, fuzzy feeling all over my body. Thank you so much, Maria, Angela, that, uh, We love to hear it. And you know what's funny? This makes me think this. And this is the last thing I'll say. Drake called Spotify out for not having like Spotify awards or anything like that. And you know what? I'm going to get on Drake's bandwagon right now. I'm like Spotify, Apple Music. Apple Podcast, don't forget about us little I mean, guys I they really over here. should, actually, because uh, It's kind of weird yeah, they don't. YouTube does the awards, right? Yeah, like, I, think, like, I, I a like Spotify really missing,
0: plaque. Yeah, I feel like they're really missing a good opportunity there. I mean, I don't know if we would be entitled to a plaque, but...
1: Uh, well, I mean, we'll probably hit a million downloads by the end of this year. That's the goal. We'll get close anyways, and I think anyone that hits a million downloads and anything deserves a little pat on the back. I just to a worse dad jokes pla- plaque. <laughs> You take that, buddy. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon. The Canadian Real Estate Investor Podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Nick Hill is a mortgage agent with Premier Mortgage Center and a partner in the G&H Mortgage Group. License number 10317. Agent license M21004037.
0: Daniel Foch is a real estate broker licensed with Rare Real Estate, a member of the Canadian Real Estate Association, the Toronto Real Estate Board, and the Ontario Real Estate Association.